The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Ash Wednesday, February 26, 2020, based on verses from Matthew chapter 6. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. There was a 2019 study that concluded that 42% of all businesses that fail fail for the same reason. The official way to describe it would be to say, no market need. In other words, these very well could be great companies started by great people offering great products and great services. It's just that there aren't enough actual customers willing to pay money for those products or services in order for those businesses to survive. A more colloquial way of saying it would be to say that those businesses were offering solutions in search of problems. As I was putting together the series for our midweek Lenten services this year, a question occurred to me that is very much related to that study. I thought, what can I say and how can I communicate the fact that what we're going to be talking about for the next six weeks here on Wednesday evenings is not just one more example of that very thing that causes so many businesses to fail. For the next six weeks, we're going to be talking about being baptized into his death. So what exactly does that mean and why is it so important? Let's start with his death, Jesus' death, of course, something we're very accustomed to focusing on during Lent. And I think we know why Jesus' death is important. Jesus' death paid for our sins. But what about being baptized into his death? What is the connection between my baptism and Jesus' death? And why is that connection so important? Why is it a connection that is worth spending the next six weeks talking about? What difference will that make in my life? How do I know that that is worth my time? How do I know that that's not just one more example of a solution that is in search of a problem? Well, as we begin that series this evening, I, I think Jesus' words that you just heard me read provide a perfect answer to that question. In these verses, Jesus identifies a problem that is really a, a universal and inescapable human problem, a problem to which being baptized into Jesus' death is the ultimate solution. So what is that problem? Well, in those verses, you heard Jesus talk about three specific things that people were doing. People were giving money to charity, they were praying, and they were fasting. All in all, those sound like pretty decent things to do, pretty good things, even pretty godly things, even pretty religious things, even the types of religious things that people often do during the season of the church year known as Lent. And yet with each of those three things, Jesus identifies a big problem. When people were giving to charity, they were giving with all kinds of fanfare and commotion. When they were praying, they were praying out on the corners of busy city streets. And when they were fasting, they were taking extra measures to make themselves look gaunt and somber so that others would feel sorry for them. In other words, they were doing these specific things for a specific reason. They were doing these things to be seen and to be applauded by other people. Three specific examples, but examples of what is a very common human behavior. 
In fact, we probably don't have to think very hard to try and come up with some examples of some modern manifestations of the very same sort of thing. Examples of people doing good things, godly things, religious things even. Things like, oh, for example, going to church or having a devotion first thing in the morning over your morning cup of coffee or finishing up the daily Bible reading in your Bible app on your phone, or giving to charity, giving to a church, taking part in in some sort of mission project or charitable cause as part of a church. And people doing those things, but not just doing those things, then turning around and, and sharing the fact that they're doing those things very loudly and proudly maybe even taking pictures of themselves doing those things and and posting those pictures for others to see, maybe even expecting some sort of recognition in the form of a a plaque or something in print, perhaps, for the fact that they were the ones who did those things. In other words, people still doing very specific things, but doing them for a specific reason, to be seen and to be applauded by others. In fact, this is such a common human behavior that it's not even limited to religious activities. Recently, I started reading a book whose title is Seculosity. The big contention of the author of the book is that as more and more people walk away from religion, they are looking for the things that they used to find in religion, but now they're looking for them in secular places. I've only read one chapter so far. It was the chapter on busyness. The author brought up some eye-opening examples of how we can often use our busyness as a way to win recognition and approval from others. For example, when someone asks, how's it going? How have you been lately? Busy. I realized that I answered that question that way an awful lot and thought, why in the world do I do that? What is up with that? Why do I want so badly for people to know that I'm busy? The author actually talked about how a very religious, holier-than-thou attitude can easily be replaced by a much more secular, busier-than-thou attitude. I'm looking forward to reading the remaining chapters. So whether it's involving religion or not, this is a, a very common human problem, the problem that Jesus tries to put his finger on in these verses. What is going on with all of this behavior? Well, in biblical terms, we'd say that this is all explained by people's need for justification, people's need for righteousness. Maybe in common terms, we'd say it's based on people's need for approval. The author of the book describes how people need a sense of enoughness, the sense that they have been or that they have done enough, a universal, inescapable human problem, no matter how we might try and pursue it. And the problem that Jesus is pointing out is is how we so often go about trying to pursue it. We might think that we can sort of produce in and of ourselves this approval, this sense of enoughness, that maybe if we just tell ourselves enough, that we are enough, that'll be enough. We often also think that we can find that approval from others, that if we just do enough to win the respect of our peers or the admiration of our colleagues, then maybe, maybe that will be enough. And we can probably make that work. We can probably fool ourselves into thinking that that's going to do the trick most days out of the year. But Ash Wednesday is not one of those days. Not when our entire future, 
not when all of our goals and all of our hopes and all of our dreams and all of our efforts and really everything that all of our lives will amount to is staring at us right there in that bowl. Those ashes are a harsh and brutal confrontation of our mortality. And that mortality presents a problem when it comes to this need to have this sense of enoughness in two important ways. First of all, we can tell ourselves that we're enough all we want. We can find that approval in others. But those ashes tell the truth about us. Those ashes tell the truth about our sin that is the cause of our mortality. In other words, we can try and get approval from other people all we want, but why would we trust people's opinions who are quite literally fatally flawed. Imagine filling out a resume and bragging about your work experience working for a company like Enron, for example. Or imagine putting down some personal references and the high opinions of you that are held by people like Bill Cosby or Harvey Weinstein. Those, that isn't exactly the type of approval that you want to have, right? Those ashes present a problem in another way, too that no matter how much approval we might get from ourselves or from others, eventually it comes to an end. Eventually all of those pats on the back and rounds of applause grow silent and cold. We can give to the needy with all the fanfare in the world. We can pray out there on the street corners. We can fast until we fall over. And as a result of that, we can get all kinds of approval from all kinds of people, but that, that's it. As Jesus said over and over again in those verses, you will have received your reward in full. That will be it. That will be it. And because that approval is given by a chorus of mortals, that approval will never be enough. So there, I think, is your market need. There is the problem looking for an ultimate solution. The ultimate solution being that we have been baptized into his death. I don't want to steal too much thunder from what we're going to be talking about for the next six weeks, but already in these verses, Jesus hints at the solution to this problem, that if we can't give ourselves enough approval and if we can't get enough approval from other people, where in the world does it come from? Well, in baptism, God invites us to take that death that is unavoidable and inescapable, that death that is waiting for all of us, and to sort of get it over with. To go through it sooner rather than later. In fact, to have someone else's death entirely count as if it were our own, as if we had go, gone through it ourselves, to have Jesus' death count as ours. And then in similar fashion, just as Jesus rose from the dead, in baptism, God invites us to have someone else's resurrection count as if it were our own. To have Jesus' victorious life count as ours. To have Jesus' absolute enoughness count as if it is ours, and for us to enjoy the approval that comes along with it. In fact, through baptism, through that death and resurrection, we have a completely new relationship that is formed in our life, a relationship that Jesus points to again and again in these verses. You know, out of all the people that we have to and try to win approval from, there's at least one person in our life that we don't have to, or at least shouldn't have to, win approval from. And that's a father. A boss, yes. A colleague, yes. A teacher, yes. A crush, yes. A circle of friends, yes. But, but a father, 
A father's approval is, or at least ought to be, unconditional, and certainly our Father in heaven's approval is. And through baptism, that's exactly who he is. God in heaven is our Father. Jesus says that through faith in him, when we stop trying to win approval from other people, but instead rely entirely on what he has done for us, God in heaven is our Father, and we get to enjoy the approval that that brings along with it. That's an approval that is never going to end up in that bowl. A proof that is never, uh, an approval that is never going to be relegated to the ash heap of history. It's really an eternal reward from an eternal father, and therefore it will most certainly be enough. That's the death and resurrection that happens in baptism, and it's also the death and resurrection that we repeat each and every time we repent. Each and every time we do what we do on Ash Wednesday, whether there are actual ashes that get sprinkled or put on our head or not. Every single time we repent, we stare at what is sitting in that bowl. We confront our own mortality. And rather than trying to minimize it or ignore it or excuse it or justify it, we own up to it. We reckon with it. We acknowledge it and we admit that we do not deserve the approval that we so desperately need. Instead, we turn to Jesus and Jesus alone for that approval. When we do what we do on Ash Wednesday, and again, not, not to be seen by others. That can happen with Ash Wednesday, too. That's one of the reasons, actually, why we sprinkle ashes on people's heads instead of leaving a visible mark for other people to see. But when we repent of our sins, that same death and resurrection that first happened at our baptism happens again. Over and over and over again, Jesus' death becomes ours, as does his resurrection, as does the approval that that new life brings. Being baptized into Jesus' death is anything but a solution in search of a problem. In fact, it is the ultimate and only permanent solution to a universal, inescapable human problem. In baptism and in repentance, we come to God empty-handed. And in so doing, we find the approval that we need from the only one who has enough of that approval to give. Amen.